This week on Standing with Turtle. Where we live out here, there, if somebody has a bandana, I don't care what color it is, it's probably a farmer's and it's probably for sweat. But out there, that's not the case. For sure, that, that guy reacted strongly and he, he made a big, quite a bit of noise at first. And I mean, I thought we were about to, about to go to war. Welcome back to Foster Care, An Unparalleled Journey. This week is episode four of Standing with Turtle. We're going to get into some interesting topics this week, so I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already heard the first three episodes, be sure to go back and download those and listen to those first so you understand the whole story. And then one evening, I've left Children's Hospital, I've left our daughter, I've picked up our other children and we're grocery shopping. We we leave. We're heading home so I can tr- try to spend some family time because I hadn't been home in probably three or four days. So I'm coming home. I, I'm going to cook dinner for the kids. I've got all the kids in the car and we're flying down the highway. And one of our children says, Mommy, Mommy, what, baby, what? What you need? The baby's shaking really bad, Mommy. The baby's shaking. And I look in, in my rearview mirror and... And here's G in his car seat in a full-blown seizure as I'm flying down the highway. Talk about scare you to death. So scary. You know, stop on the shoulder of the highway, call 911. I've got strangers stopping. Some wonderful, wonderful people stopped to try to help me with the other kids. One woman actually offered to drive all of the kids to the hospital so I could ride in the ambulance with G, which one of our older sons ended up going with him. But at that point, we didn't know what what was wrong. Was it drugs? Was there some underlying condition? It, it, it was terrifying. You know, was it something that was contagious? Because here we had another child. Our other daughter is in children's in isolation. And I just spent the day with her. You know, have I put her in contact with something that was contagious? My head was all over the place. And, and it was scary, and, and I'm worried about this little boy. And come to find out, it, it you know, there's a name for it. It's febrile seizures. Um, not a big ordeal. Scary. You know, very scary to see your <laughs> yeah, child have a seizure. True. You know, will scare the, scare the snot out of you if you've never witnessed a seizure before. Um, he has since grown out of it. The doctors assured us that he would. But he did end up having a handful of seizures. Um, and it has to do with body temperature rapidly changing, sick, cutting teeth, all the things that babies and toddlers do. Yeah, because he was um, cutting teeth and had a, had a fever yeah, at that point, didn't and he? And that, that's what it ended up being, is his temperature rose too quickly. Um, like I said, he had a handful of them, but he did outgrow them. Um, we have not had a seizure in, in a few years now. Uh, doctor said, you know, usually children grow out of it by the time they're four. And we have completely grown out of the seizure, so that has not been a lasting issue. So that was really awesome. Yeah. Scary at the time, in the big scheme of things, and what was going on in our world, it was just one more thing. One more big scary thing. But we did it. You know, we faced it, we did it. We came out on the other side. That was one of the things that we thought might be a, one of the scary side effects of drugs. Turns out it, was, it wasn't it was related to that at all. 
Another thing that he dealt with a lot because he was so distrustful of people, because he had been, you know, living that lifestyle on the streets and what he'd experienced and seen and what he had modeled for him, G was what I would call the cutest little thug you'll ever meet. This little boy had the ability to stare you down and say F you with his eyes. I've never met any kid or adult for that matter, who's been able to do it as effectively as he is. He could stand there and people would, because he was, he was a genuinely cute little guy, right? And so people would walk up and, oh, he's so cute. And they'd try and talk to him and he would stare you down and while staring, rotate his body until he could completely turn away from you and fold his arms across his chest and give you his back as if to say, you're not even worth looking at. He was the coldest little thug at one, one and a half years old that I've ever met. But I think a lot of that just came from where he came from. It came from the, the environment that he was exposed to at such a young age. And I have, I have a picture floating around here somewhere that we were at, a, uh, at one of our other kids' sporting events one day. And the lighting was bright and he was dressed up just as a cute little boy in a you know, set of little boy overalls and t-shirt. And I had a camera. I was there to take some pictures of the kids game. And, and geez, saw me with a camera and I went to point at him. And I don't know if you can possibly say, screw you, buddy, any louder or clearer than he did with his eyes. And I managed to capture that moment on an, on a picture. And I love that picture because it, it reminds me so much of who he was and how difficult of a place he was in at that point. But it's one of the best pictures ever. It is. Everybody loves that picture. He's adorable. Yeah, it just, it, it captured his personality just perfectly. It really did. And that was another thing we had to deal with was his ability to trust other, other people. And that took a lot of time. That took a lot of time. We, we, he was continued in care for a while after that. And, you know, we just kept going back and forth to, to court all the way down there, you know, almost two hours down the road, all the way back. And, you know, every three months we'd have at least every three months we'd have a court case. And we'd have to go down and they'd, they'd do a, a hearing to, um, oh, I forget what they call those hearings. But basically it's kind of an update so that the court can stay abreast of what's going on. They know how he's doing. Mom has her opportunity to talk about how she's doing. And the children's division, you know, presents any evidence they have to, to say, yeah, she's doing great or no, we have no positive results or, you know, whether there was n negative drug test, positive drug test, all those sorts of things. So we would have a, uh, have a court case every three months or so, and we just kept living life. And that was one of the things that we watched him go through in that time, because we're so concerned about all the different pieces of his life for such a little guy. And when he got to the point where he started to trust some other people, that was a huge milestone for us. And I want to say he was in our house for at least a year before he would willingly come over to me for anything. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, part of what helped that, though, is I had to be out of the house so much that he had to start relying on you being at the hospital off and on all the time he had to start relying on you and and you became that other safe place yeah you know you and and the other kids he really interacted really well with our youngest daughter you yeah know, him and him and nani were pretty close at that point when he was little 
Yeah, and it didn't hurt that her maternal instinct kicked in when she was about two, I think. <laughs> Nickname Nani, a.k.a. Little Mama. Yeah, she was but, Little Mama uh, for sure. But, you know, that really, I think, helped him kind of kind of pull some of us. Because at that point, what we have, we had all six kids at that point, right, in the house. And so he, he had to live in a house. You know, there was six kids and two adults. And so it was a lot for him, I'm sure. But he had a lot of opportunity to interact with other people, to learn that not everybody you meet is a dealer, a, a John, a pimp, or a banger. You know, like the people around you are actually safe people. Yeah, and I mean, we, we had a pretty crazy household. You know, that many kids, everything going on in our lives. You know, because I think one thing that, that we haven't mentioned is along with all those pieces of Arissa being sick, taking Twitchy, everything that Turtle was going through, we had two other children that we had adopted. We had the two older boys. And then we also had your father. Yeah. And dad was sick. You know, and and dad was really sick. And so we tried to help there as much as we could. And we were burning the candle at both ends. We were exhausted. Fire in the middle of all the, the time. There wasn't a day that was just relax. Every day was go, 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 go. It was kind of, we were kind of in a place of like, like firemen, right? We were, we weren't living life intentionally at that point so much as we were putting out fires. Yeah, we were just trying to stay afloat. It was a matter of crisis management more so than it was living, living life to the fullest. There was no living life to the fullest at that point. It was a tough time for sure. I look back on that time and I, I'm surprised we survived it, to be honest. It was a tough, hard moment. You know, and all that while we're going through that stress and trying Two to... Two infants, withdrawals, diapers. Yeah. Well, no I, sleep. And, and on top of all that, then he starts getting the infections like crazy. Yeah. And we ended up having to take him down and uh, back down to St. Louis to the hospital down there, one of the children's hospitals down there, and have tube surgery done at a pretty young age. Yeah. That was, that was a challenge in and of itself because he still did not... I mean, even though I could be around him without problems at that point, he wanted nothing to do with me if Amanda was around. And knowing that they're going to have to put him in that little infant bed and take him back there to go have the surgery done, it's not a major surgery. He's not the first kids we've had have tubes put in. But it's the first surgery he knows about. You know, so it was, it was kind of a big deal, so... Amanda had brought his his baby blanket with him. It's the only only thing he has that came with him from his mom's house. That that's the only real connection he has of any physical thing back to to his biological family. His wub wub. <clears throat> yep. And every little boy and little girl has a wub wub or a safety blanket or a something what they call it, but a blanket they drag around, kind of like Linus. The biggest difference between Linus's uh, blanket and G's wub wub is that Linus drug around a dirty little rag for all we could tell and didn't care. G, on the other hand, he had a super special blanket that he carried with him. His grandma had made him. It was kind of like a little baby-sized quilt. And she'd done an amazing job with it. Made it, just did a beautiful job. The trouble was, is that if you know anything about anything about the lifestyle that he came out of, the fabric she used to make that wub-wub I assume had been given to her by, by G's mom or dad 
and it was actually a gang flag. And so when we took him in to have his tubes done, as we walked out to the car... Of course, we're going to bring his safety net. Yep, he had to have that. I mean, if he's going to leave Amanda to go get something done, he's going to have his wool bulb with him, gosh dog it. But we walk out, you go to get the car to bring the car up, and I'm walking out, holding G, got him wrapped up in his wub wub. He's pretty, he's okay, he's chill, he's, you know, he's got me clinging on for dear life. And he was still coming down off the medications. Yeah, and I, I'm walking out, and here comes this guy, and he had a couple kids in tow with him, little ones, toddlers, you know, three and four years old. But that blanket, that blanket caught his eye. Yes, he it was did. very, very interested in that blanket. Where it came from, how I come about getting it, how he could get himself one. And at that moment, it was like a light bulb went off in my head like, I know what this blanket stands for. And I did not even contemplate bringing it across the river into the city. Didn't even think about what issues that could cause. Oh, yeah, because we live, like I said, we live in a rural area. If you go to the wrong neighborhood, flying the wrong colors, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Where we live out here, there, if somebody has a bandana, I don't care what color it is, it's probably a farmer's, and it's probably for sweat. But out there, that's not the case. For sure. That, that guy reacted strongly, and he, he made a big, quite a bit of noise at first. And, I mean, I thought we were about to about to go to war. That, that was kind of the, the reaction that I would, thought I was seeing. And I was starting to, to get into that headspace real fast when he asked Amanda, where'd you get that? I want one like it. And I thought, oh, God, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up not being a big deal, but it could have been. Absolutely. And uh, we packed up so fast after that. And I'm pretty certain we had a conversation. If that wool bulb goes within about 30 miles of St. Louis again, I'm going to burn the darn thing. As I'm not willing to put up with that. I- I'm not I'm not going to die over wool bulb. I know he loves it, but I'm not dying for wool bulb. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. He still has wool bulb. He does. It's been repaired a few times, several holes, but uh, wool bulb's still around. Thanks for showing up and listening this week, guys. We hope to see you back next week to hear the next installment of Turtle Story. If you haven't already, make sure you go by the website and check out jasonmpalmer.com. We've got the blog over there, as well as some podcast information and some other great things. We've also got the Facebook page, so check us out there as well. And we will see you next week. Next week on Standing with Turtle. Because you don't expect that from a toddler. You don't expect them to have so many walls and so much distrust for the world at two years old. And you expect, expect that from an adult. Yeah. You expect, you know, some of that maybe from a teenager even, but, but not a toddler. As always, if you know of any child in danger of being neglected or abused, call your local authorities, the police department, 
or 1-800-4-CHILD. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD.